We've heard two poems about creation from Genesis and from John. Both begin with in the beginning and John clearly draws on Genesis for his gospel. And I'll begin with Genesis. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. Think of the world. And let's start to subtract things from the world. Let's take away the trees and the flowers and the grass. Let's take away the stars. Let's take away your laptop. Let's take away the chair you're sitting in, the desk on which your laptop rests. Let's take away animals our cats, our dogs. Let's take away our house, our apartment, our car, the roads. Let's take away the earth, the land, the oceans, the clouds, the sky. Let's take away the seasons, no summer, no spring. Let's take away time. Let's take away our senses of smell, of taste, of touch, of sight, of hearing. There's nothing. There is nothing. It's hard to imagine nothing. But let's even take away that. We are left with this empty, formless void of darkness. If we were present, but we wouldn't be present because there's nothing, it would be fearful. It would be frightening. It would be certainly uncertain and hopeless. We would feel lost and chaotic we would feel as if we were in free fall. The closest I can come to that experience was the fall quarter of my senior year in college. I went on foreign study to Italy and one Sunday afternoon a friend and I went out to the catacombs for a tour of the catacombs and we took with us these big flashlights. As we were waiting for our tour to start, a priest walked by us and he saw these big flashlights and he said, are you archaeology students? And we confidently lied, yes, we are. And he said, why don't you wait until I finish my tour and I will give you a private tour of the catacombs. We waited and he came back and he took us down into the catacombs, our private tour. We went down the stone steps and then we, we walked a little bit and then we went down what, you know, like an elevator shaft in a mine. I don't know how many stories we went down under the earth. 
The best image I can give of the catacombs is think of a high rise that goes down and then expands into aisles in every direction. And the aisles are very narrow, but there are shelves in the aisles, just like you'd see at Kroger or Giant Eagle. But the shelves are filled with skeletons. And we went through aisle after aisle and level after level of skeletons as the priest showed us the catacomb paintings. Then at one point, he turned off all the lights and darkened his lantern and we were in pitch black. Had no idea where we were, no idea how to get out of there, feeling that we would be lost for life under there in these narrow catacombs filled with skeletons and death. When I think of the dark, empty void, that's what I think of. Then I think of another creation poem. When God steps out into space to create. This is The Creation by James Wendell Johnson. It's posted on the worship page so you can read along with me. And Rhonda will post a video of it after the service. And God stepped out on space. And he looked around and said, I'm lonely. I'll make me a world. And far as the eye of God could see, darkness covered everything, blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. Then God smiled and the light broke. And darkness rolled up on one side and the light stood shining on the other side. And God said, that's good. Then God reached out and took the light in his hands and God rolled the light around in his hands until he made the sun. And he set that sun ablazing in the heavens. And the light that was left from making the sun, God gathered it up in a shining ball and flung it out across the darkness, spangling the night with moon and stars. Then down between the darkness and the light, he hurled the world. And God said, that's good. Then God himself stepped down, and the sun was on his right hand, and the moon was on his left. The stars were clustered about his head, and the earth was under his feet, and God walked. And where he trod his footsteps hollowed out valleys and bulged mountains up. Then he stopped and looked and saw that the earth was hot and barren. So God stepped over to the edge of the world and he spat out the seven seas. 
He batted his eyes and the lightnings flashed. He clapped his hands and the thunders rolled. And the waters above the earth came down. The cooling waters came down. Then the green grass sprouted and the red flowers blossomed. And the pine tree pointed his finger to the sky. The oak spread out his arms. The lakes cuddled down in the hollows of the ground. The rivers ran down to the sea and God smiled again. And the rainbow appeared and curled itself around his shoulder. Then God raised his arm and he waved his hand over the sea and over the land. And he said, bring forth, bring forth. And quicker than God could drop his hand, Fishes and fowls and beasts and birds swam the rivers and the seas, roamed the forests and the worlds, and split the air with their wings. And God said, that's good. Then God walked around and God looked around on all that he had made. He looked at his sun and he looked at his moon and he looked at his little stars and he looked on his world with all its living things. And God said, I'm lonely still. Then God sat down on the side of a hill where he could think. By a deep, wide river, he sat down with his head in his hands. And God thought and thought till he thought. I'll make me a man. Up from the bed of the river, God scooped the clay. And by the bank of the river, he kneeled him down. And there the great God Almighty, who lit the sun and fixed it in the sky, who flung the stars to the far corner of the night, who rounded the earth in the middle of his hand, this great God, like a mammy bending over her baby, kneeled down in the dust, toiling over a lump of clay till he shaped it in his own image. Then into it he blew the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Amen. Amen. We've moved a long, long way from the darkness and emptiness, the formlessness and the nothingness. There was never just nothing, there was always God. The God who was lonely and created. The God who was lonely and created us for companionship. The God who had life. The God who was full of life who wanted to give life and share that life. The God who was so full of energy. The God who was so fruitful. The God who spoke and there was life. Little red flowers and sprouting grass and lakes cuddled in hollows in the ground and pine trees pointing their fingers to the sky, and the spangling stars. 
God brought life and color and sound and smells and touch and beauty out of nothing. When I was in college and I took Introduction to Philosophy, where we studied the great philosophical questions, one of the questions we went through was the existence of God. We went through the proofs of the existence of God. The unmoved mover. The uncaused cause. There had to be something to get the ball rolling. To set things in motion, there had to be a primary cause. And it made sense to me. There did have to be something to get the ball rolling. And I took comfort in that. And then I thought, just because that uncaused cause started the ball rolling didn't mean that it continued to exist, that the thing that started creation continued to exist. It could have disappeared. And the thought that God had disappeared left me back where I was in the darkness, in the emptiness, in the formless void. My point is, what good is light, is God bringing the light of creation to the darkness if God doesn't bring the light to my darkness? if God doesn't bring light and life to our current world, what is the point unless light shines in our darknesses, in our uncertainty, in our fright, in our terror, in our fear? I want God to speak now. I want God to move in my darkness. I want the meaning and the purpose and the spirit and the breath of God. I don't want to just exist. I want to live. I want God to kneel and bend over me as a mammy would over her child. I want light. I want to be able to see and experience life. And this is where John comes in. John is saying God is moving. God is active. John calls it the Word. The word through which fishes and birds and animals and trees and little red flowers 
came into being. John calls it the Word. The Word brings life. The Word is life. The Word shines in the darkness. And the darkness shall not overcome the Word. The Word cannot be conquered. The Word cannot be defeated. The Word cannot be put out of existence. The Word, the light, the spirit, the energy is stronger than the darkness we fear. And that is hope. During Advent, we'll be preaching a series on what's called the prologue of John's Gospel, the first 18 verses of John's Gospel. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. Darkness is fearsome, but the light is stronger. When I was in first, second, third grade, somewhere in there, I went through a phase where I was very scared of the night, very scared of the dark. The dark meant only um, darkness and evil. I was certain the, there was a killer under my bed. And if the killer wasn't under my bed, he had broken in the back door and was down in the basement. And every sound I ever heard in the house at night was the killer coming up the stairs. And the sounds I heard in the attic were the ghosts that lived upstairs. And I couldn't sleep. And then in the morning, Around 4.30, I could hear the alarm go off in my parents' room, and Dad get up. And I could hear Dad open the door and cross the hallway to the bathroom and turn on the light. And the light would penetrate the darkness, and I could see the light down the hallway. And I felt the peace and calmness come into my life. And soon I would hear creation coming to life. I could hear the birds. I could see the beginning of the sunrise. And I could say, with God... That's good. That's good. Because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. May it be so. Amen.